Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we work to end the stigma of failure in an industry designed for you to fail. Hey, welcome to Life After MLM's Lula Rich companion series, Lula Bitch, a place you can come to find all the tea and everything that was left on the cutting room floor. You're about to hear the personal accounts of the people affected by the MLM LuLaRoe. These stories are our own personal opinions, accounts, and allegations of our experiences within the cult. Some stories may be triggering. Please listen at your own discretion. So tell me what it was like filming Lula Rich. Yeah. So like I never, it was never my goal to be in a documentary about this. I've actually filmed uh, prior to all this. I've, I'm actually, I've actually gone on camera in a different documentary about a pole vaulter, um, <laughs> which unfortunately that one hasn't come out yet because of COVID. And that's not, that's not one that's going to be on like Netflix or anything. Um, so I did go on camera for that documentary. Um, but yeah, that was never my goal with this. Like, it was never about me. Like, my goals are to connect information to people. Um, and so I had talked with the documentary people, helping to point them in the right direction on some of this stuff. And for me, like, I'm happy. Like, I had talked to, in the years leading up to this, I had talked to a lot of reporters um, so most of the reporters who had written stories about LuLaRoe, like prior to Lula Ridge, had talked to me at some point um, and just helping, helping them find information. Like the work we did in Defective made it easier for them to write accurate stories because we helped put all of that information in one place or could tell them where to look or whatever. And we had all the receipts. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the documentary people wanted me to go on camera and I was willing to do it. I mean, the thing is, like, it's a risk to go on camera. Like, you don't know how they're going to portray you or how people, what people are going to think. And a lot of the advocacy work I do ends up with a lot of people upset with me. And I've lost a lot of friends over the years because of that um and so not that I was worried about like losing friends over this LuLaRoe stuff because like I don't it's not like I have close personal friends that are selling LuLaRoe today or anything like that but like I mean I knew that if it went big like that there's the risk that just people would say bad stuff about you online or or worse (laughs) could happen but they wanted me to go on camera and like I mean, it's kind of like anything to help the cause, I guess. Like, I'm willing to take that risk if if it helps tell the story and, and spread this message. Um, I mean, one, that, that LuLaRoe is sketchy, which I'm so delighted that now, like, much of America knows that. Right? Uh, That's, like, my favorite part of the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. But then also that, that MLMs are harmful. Hopefully this documentary helped 
raise awareness that this is a predatory business structure. This is not a good way to to make money. So yeah, so I I agreed to go on camera. Um, they talked about coming up to where I live to film, but it didn't it didn't work out. Like it would have been too long of a trip for them. Um, but I was actually going to be down in Seattle a few days before we filmed. I I had an online convention type thing, uh, and I had decided to go to the to the mainland to Seattle to to be involved with that because I had a better internet connection at that time. And I needed to be away from my kids. Like it's hard. It's hard to be like super focused and engaged in meetings if you're also watching the kids or even if like someone's home watching them, they, you know, they still always want mom. Absolutely. So many times my daughter pokes her head in here when I'm recording and she's like, she like mouths, are you still recording? (laughs) Give me 10 more minutes. So I totally understand needing some of that time. So I was down in, so I was going to be down in Seattle. So I said I could meet up with them in Seattle to film. And so they got an Airbnb and we filmed uh, in the morning at an Airbnb. Um, so I've, I've seen a few people comment, like make comments about my house. And I'm like, well, that's not actually my house. Like I don't actually live in Seattle, but I mean, I am from Seattle. So it's not, and I do live in Washington. So it's not like that far off yeah somebody was like I really love Becca's aesthetic and I was like I don't think that's Becca's house (laughs) I know they they said someone said it was like very calm and I'm like I have two little kids like my house is not calm (laughs) um but yeah we filmed in the morning um it was fine I mean like they they knew what they wanted me to talk about. Like they had printed, I had actually like, I had my backpack and I had printed out a lot of lawsuit stuff in case they wanted to like really dive into questions and make sure I could look up answers. But they had actually like already printed out a lot of stuff and they had like the nice like color graphics from the AG's lawsuit. And yeah, so they just kind of, they wanted to get me on camera talking about that stuff basically. I mean, I'm kind of like almost like a narrator in the documentary yeah almost I just I remember when when they reached out to me and they were asking me like who do you think should be in this and I definitely said look defective was such a big thing like none of this would have been uncovered without our group effort and defective of us digging and finding things and exposing things and getting the attention of the media I said so you got to talk to somebody that's defective besides me you have to talk to somebody and they're like who and I was like Julie Heather or Becca (laughs) And I think I gave them all of, all of the info and they ended up going with you, but I was like, you need to talk to at least all three of these women will have the information you're looking for. But if you're going lawsuit, I would go with Becca. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I really hope that Julie does get on camera at some point for something because like she, we did like, actually we did a group phone call once, like, like before you were involved, like in the early days and Julie has like the thickest Boston accent and it's so cute. And she's just, she's such an interesting person. And like, like, it's kind of so random. Like she, I mean, she was just a LuLaRoe customer. Like she's older than a lot of the kind of target age group where like most of the people are. And you know, like she, she wasn't a consultant and Heather was not a consultant either. Like we just were these outsiders that came in and helped to blow it up. Yeah. Um, I need to get, I think that I need to do that. Like I need to get everybody on like a big zoom and do like a defective detective chat and like get you and Ryan and see how many people we can get in 
and do, it'll probably be chaotic, but I think people would want to hear it. And we yeah, can talk about a couple different things that we dug into and like what all of us did. And like, you know, I think that'd be fun. Yeah, I think so too. It'll definitely be interesting. Like I know there's just more stuff in the works. So, I mean, like Lula Ridge, uh, barely scratched the surface, which is fine because like, there's so many people that watched it that had never heard of LuLaRoe or they thought LuLaRoe and Lululemon were the same thing. And honestly, like, I kind of feel like Lululemon did not fully appreciate how many people like mixed up those brands over the years. Yeah. But there's more, I mean, so Lula Rich was a great, like, yes, hers is amazing. Yeah, like she spent quite, she clearly spent quite a bit of time in Defective and she actually cites her sources for a lot of stuff. Like I appreciated, I didn't mind at all that she used my stuff. It was also cool that like she gave me credit when she did. Yeah, she's um, great. And I will link both of those in the in the show notes that everybody can watch this if they want. That is a really good deep dive. That's a great companion um, if you're wanting more too. Um, and then another yeah, thing- Especially part two. Yeah. Part two is very, so she made a connection that none of us had made, and she actually made the connection that Deanne's uncle is the worst surgeon of all time. And there have been we won't get into that now because that's like that's like a whole another podcast episode for like a yeah, whole there's uh, I think it's Beyond the Bastards or Behind the Bastards. There's some major podcast that has covered him. There's been some good YouTube videos on him. Uh, but yeah, Roberto, I'll link it in the show notes, show notes, but yeah, there is just like so, so much more good. out there. <laughs> so her, so her videos do a, a good job of hitting a lot of these other <laughs> stories that Lula Rich didn't have time for. Well, I was going to say that anybody wanting to do Lula Row, you, you should definitely get in touch with, with one of us, maybe not necessarily me or Becca, but somebody that uh, really knows their shit and just be like, Hey, I'm going to do this video. This is what I've got. Can you just sort of proofread it? Because it is really confusing and there's a lot of stuff and I don't want people to get the wrong information because then it disseminates. And then people are like, I heard that you, blah, 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 blah. and I was like, wait, what? So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just so confusing. We would love to help you fact check some things. So you put out the right info. Yeah. I'm happy to help with fact checking and taking a look at that kind of thing because like yeah it's just a lot and it's complicated and it's also very confusing because Mark and Deanne tell stories that are very exaggerated not exactly true um and so trying to figure out like what the truth is is confusing well they're storytellers Becca they're storytellers and that's why that's why it's like that well, and that's where, like, it's just, it's so funny, like, what stories they think are funny, because in Lula Rich, they were like, we have 14 kids, and two of them are married to each other, and, like, they think that's funny, and the truth no. of it is, it's, like, one of the kids, I know you've gone over this before on other podcast episodes, it's, like, you know, one of the kids they adopted is, like, a baby or toddler out of Romania, and then the other one is, like, adopted in quotation marks like a glorified foreign exchange student basically (laughs) yeah she basically joined them as an exchange student and then for some reason Deanne just decided that she was going to be part of the family which is fine like whatever that's great that they did that and then she fell in love with one of their sons who was not living in the household but the the issue is like they make it sound so creepy and like there's so many you know hot takes on twitter about incest and 
it like they I think that I mean they've told that story about the wedding invitations like I know they've told that at convention and leadership meetings before like they think that's so funny I don't understand why like like I could understand wanting to tell that joke because they think it's funny but like add some context like if you really still want to tell that weird joke like add some context so we actually know what it really is so when you're like so it's kind of funny we said our daughter to our son ha 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 but you it's not really actually that like it's just weird it's just weird like incest is it's like why you know what I mean like why even make the comparison why even invite any of that like and and why insert that in a business conversation like like it's one thing if it's just like your group of friends hanging out after church or something but like they they've told this at LuLaRoe events they've told it to consultants and they told it to people that they knew were making a documentary about them and it's like yeah why I feel like it's a back pocket power play for a game of never have I ever and you're like never have I ever married my brother you know and you're like haha I got you guys like that's what it feels like it's such a weird hey fun fact our kids are married it's like such a weird party trick like I don't understand yeah like why they inserted it into their business why they talked about it in a documentary (laughs) and why they continue to say oh my god we're so fun check it out like this is not this is just not I hate to use the word normal but I can't find a better word right now yeah well and it's also strange because there's been some discussion online about the the real story of um, how LuLaRoe was founded and the whole maxi skirt business. Um, And I know that there's like picture on Deanne's Instagram that's, that's been posted on Twitter of a business card having, you know, Deanne and her twin sister Diane on it for their fitted maxi business. And I'm going through all my old photos and I'm trying to find this. And if anyone has a copy of this photo please send it to me because I know I have it or someone sent it to me once but um they had another version of the business card for the fitted maxi and I remember this version because it said that they both had 11 kids which 11 is the right number if you add up their legal kids plus their stepkids so Deanne and Diane both have stepchildren and it adds up to 11 But this was like, this was 2012 and Deanne on this business card did not count Anna or Tony or Catalan in that number. So like, I'm honestly just super curious. I would love to know more about the story of like, at what point did she start counting those three as her adopted children? Like, it's kind of strange and it's almost like the Duggars. Like 19, yeah. like where you just kind of keep adding more kids. Like it, it's just weird that it's weird that she's adding kids in that way. Like they're not kids, they're adults. Like, I mean, more power to anyone that wants to adopt or, or just have a lot of kids. Like, that's great. There's nothing wrong with a big family. It's just strange. Like, well, it contradicts other points, you know? So sometime between 2012 and 2014, those three random people became children of hers. If by 2012, you still hadn't claimed them, how can you also say that she was your daughter and she married your son? Like, it's like, at what point was she your daughter that you get to tell this really cheeky, (laughs) funny story about our quirky family? Like, at what point does she come into the family that you now claim this story? Because like you're saying in 2012, she said she had 11 children. 
2014, she says she has 14 yeah. children. Yeah. And I, and I don't know, like, honestly, I mean, maybe she was treating them like children at that point, but then the question is, why didn't you include them on your business card? Like, did you leave them out just because you wanted to match Diane? And like, that's that's a weird reason. Like if you were really considering them your children at that point, then why didn't you put them on there? So if anyone has a copy of that photo, that card or a photo of it, like I would love if someone sent it to me, so I don't have to like search all my old Facebook messages next. Um, Cause I'm current, I'm currently like digging through my iPhoto and every, like everything Lula rated Lula row related over the years, I'm saving in a folder. And I'm, so I'm working on moving my content that I've been posting in defective over the years. I'm working on getting that to Twitter. Um, I've been on Twitter forever. Like I, 2009 or 2010 as pole vault power um but I just I didn't really tweet much about LulaRoe from it because from that account because that's not really anything my followers were interested in and there just wasn't there wasn't that much interest in this story up until Lula Rich came out like the people who really wanted to know what was going on like were either in the defective group or they had connections to it I mean I know there's some people that got kicked out of the group and are you know, not happy that they're not in it, but there wasn't this like widespread public interest. Um, We did make a subreddit a few years ago when the first group got shut down. Um, And so that's been out there, but I honestly, like I haven't been super good about posting a ton of information to there, Um, but I am working on getting it to Twitter. So if you follow me at Defective Becca on Twitter, I'm posting LulaRoe related content there. You're welcome to follow Pole Vault Power if you want, but uh, it's just track and field related stuff or or issues around like sexual abuse in sports. So if that's interesting to you, like that's great. Feel free to follow me there too. So until you get everything up onto Twitter, where is the best place for them to read those? In Defective? Yeah, everything we have so far from the Washington AG's lawsuit is posted in Defector's support. Um, And so, you know, they're adding people to the group as fast as they can. If you're new to the group, like, please make sure to read the rules. Um, I'm, I am not a moderator or administrator in that group. Um, By choice, I want to focus on what I'm doing and not have to deal with all the dramas around, you know, someone broke the rule, we need to kick out like all of that stuff. It takes up a lot yeah. of time and energy. It's wild so. in there right now. It's like the it's <laughs> like the wild west all over again. It's like the early days of defective. We have so many people. Please make sure they are answering the questions. Please, it really helps us out. Um, and you'll get in a lot faster if we don't have to do secondary digging on you. Um, it is a, a support and a and a survivors group um, and a victims group too. There's a lot of people that are still working through their victimization um, and, and going through a lot of really heavy stuff. So. We just don't mass add everybody in. Um, and there are a lot of rules to follow. So please read the rules. And if you break them, you will be taken out. And uh, that's not my job to bring you back in. Uh, I get a lot of messages from people going, Roberta, can you please? It's not, I, I don't have time, guys. I love you guys, yeah. but I don't have time to do that. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, I get those if you get booted, I'm so sorry. Um, follow me on TikTok like, and Instagram and Facebook where I post some of that stuff. Or like we said, follow Becca on Twitter where you can get all the information as she puts it up if you are no longer defective. 
or defector support, I guess, is the group now. I've just, it's, it's yeah. defective for me. It's always. Right. I know I still call it defective too. <laughs> I have had quite a few people like reach out to me and they're like, oh, you should do this for this MLM. And I'm like, no, I am Roberta. I'm so glad that you're covering MLMs and that I have a place to send people. But like, first of all, I'm homeschooling my kids this year, both of my kids all year. And that sucks. I mean, it's amazing and wonderful in a lot of ways, but it's also very time consuming and like not my favorite thing. Um, I am homeschooling them because of COVID. So it's not because like, I think it's time to be a homeschool family necessarily. It's more out of necessity. And Becca lives on this tiny, cute little island off the coast of Washington where you literally have to take a ferry to get there. So it's, it's so secluded that I totally understand you wanting to just sort of do it this way right now. Yeah. Well, and, and I still have track and field stuff going on. So like, and of course my washi tape business. So like shout out to everybody who saw Roberta's TikTok and ordered washi tape from me over the weekend. Um, I busted ass all weekend and packed 43 orders. Well, now you're going to be really busy this weekend because we're going to shout out your washi tape business again. (laughs) yeah which is fine like it's I mean there's still plenty in stock my selection is less than normal but my normal selection is like a a lot of different styles so if you go there now there's still plenty but if you also check back over the next few weeks um there's going to be a lot more um but yeah my washi tape shop is prettypackagestape.com and it's it's washi tape I mean if you don't know what it is or what it's for just like google (laughs) Um, <laughs> right. I, I it's mean, patterned it's a, tape it's like sticky paper tape it's like if stickers came on a roll <laughs> yeah it's like a decorative masking tape it's a very visual thing so I'm also not trying to like be lazy in the conversation but it just helps if you like if you google it and see different ways that people have used it um it's, it's not really fun for scrapbooking it's great for people that are like planner people that want to I, I get all the holiday stuff and that's what I do. when I do my planner, I set it up for the month and I use all my washi tape. I'm like, Oh, it's March. Let's get out my St. Patrick's day washi tape. And it's like, I use it once a year. Yeah. A lot uh, of it's fun. That kind of stuff or cards, people that make cards. It's really fun for cards. My daughter loves it. Cause she loves to decorate things and she uses it like on her school folders and things. So I think it's really cute. And you have some of the cutest washi tape and you have the best prices on washi tape. I've literally ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Well, I, because I like, I'm not on Etsy, you know, I just have my own shop. Um, I don't really run sales very often. Like I just, I have low prices all the time. I mean, I'll mark them down even more. Like if I've, if I have a style that's not selling well, then I'll mark it down even more. Um, which is like, of course, one of the things that drove me crazy about LuLaRoe was the consultants being stuck with this old inventory that they couldn't sell and they weren't allowed to discount it. And if LuLaRoe had just had like rules where you could discount products after a certain date then it would have been so much more viable for consultants because they could have kept things moving even if they weren't necessarily profiting as much as they should have been. But like, they just kept using, I mean, for just several years, it's like they kept using the same stuff and people would return stuff. And then some of that product would end up back in consultants inventory when they would place new orders. And it was just such a mess. But yeah, for me as a business owner, like I know the things I do to keep my business moving along and I yeah like the way that LuLaRoe was run and how the the rules that the consultants had to abide by were just like 
MLM <laughs> is complete and total bananary. Well, and it's so frustrating because it, all of us, I mean, and I wasn't like, I didn't even sell or anything like that, but we all recognize that it could have been so much better. And yes, like MLMs are always going to be a predatory business model and you'll lose in the end, but it didn't have to be as harmful as it was. It could have been successful for more consultants and causing less harm to the ones who didn't succeed. Like it didn't have to be the way it was. And there were, I mean, there were some things they got right. Like some of the ideas were solid, but then they just like their greed just like corrupted everything and made it terrible. Okay. So at the very end, I've got questions and I know you weren't in LuLaRoe, so I'll sort of like, you know, edit them, but are you ready? Yeah. Well, it's funny. I almost feel like I was though. Like there was a period of time where I was like watching the home office updates and then I would give like snarky recaps to the group. Oh my God. I loved your snarky recaps. (laughs) I know. And I'm so sad. We lost most of that when the original group was deleted. I didn't have all of them saved. And I'm really sad about that because I I found a few that I had saved. (laughs) It's pretty funny. So I almost feel like I was a consultant because like I was like tuning in every week, listening to this stuff and I heard so many of your stories, but yeah, go ahead. Let's, let's bring on. Well, well, real quick though, before, um, because I do know that we have some people that listen to this. So I'm going to just throw this out there right now, paging summer and Nathaniel, please come to the front of the room because, um, I need you guys to email me and I need you guys to get on the show. So come talk. Okay. Paging summer and Nathaniel, it would make Becca's day, Nathaniel, if you came on the show. (laughs) he seemed so fabulous and awesome and just like way too good to be working there way too good for I was so glad when he left I would type up my snarky recaps and I'm just like summer fly away girl you're so much better than this you don't deserve this and like Paige it's like you are so you are so lovely and I know that like I know that you know this is garbage. <laughs> like, how can you do this to yourself? So I'm oh glad God. that they all did leave eventually and I hope they're all doing well. Um, I haven't really tried too hard to look them up, except I did look up Nathaniel's to send it to Roberta because I'm like, you should know him. <laughs> I know we have like a whole thing going on behind the scenes, you guys. <laughs> okay, Becca, one word that encompasses how you feel about LuLaRoe toxic (laughs) a warning to somebody who wants to join LuLaRoe Hmm, that's a tough one like if they wanted to join today I mean the it's it's less dangerous today you're not putting as much money on the line but it's also just like you're not likely to make money today I mean the products now are better in a lot of ways. Like some of them are still garbage, but some of the stuff they're putting out is fine. It's just, it's just boring. Like it's not very exciting. It's the same stuff you can get anywhere else, but people can get it so much cheaper at Target and Walmart or wherever, Old Navy. Um, And I mean, everybody's kind of getting the same stuff now. So it's not like before where you had this unique collection of prints. So it's really hard for someone new to come in I mean, unless you just have like a huge base of fans, customers from somewhere else that you're bringing in and you think they would buy it, but it's just really, really difficult now for anyone who comes in to actually make money. Um, 
And at the end of the day, like, even if you could look at who you're supporting, I mean, where are your dollars going? They're going into Mark and Deanne's pockets. Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. They send you regular, personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. I got my report, and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet. And they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash MLM code MLM. Head over to quince.com and grab yourself a little something something and support the show by supporting our sponsors. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and say hello to lightweight fabrics and classic styles. I have been taking advantage of the beautiful weather and getting outside for daily walks, and I cannot say enough good things about the flow knit high rise boyfriend jogger from Quince. Seriously, running errands, doing school pickups, swinging by the farmer's market, or taking Jaja for a stroll around the lake, these bad boys are versatile. I love the deep pockets, the high waistband, and the internal hidden drawstring. They're quick drying, moisture wicking, antimicrobial, and the four-way stretch makes them so comfortable. They're made with 88% recycled polyester, and the Global Style Standard Certified Yarn dramatically lowers environmental impact by diverting landfill and ocean-bound plastic. Not to mention using recycled claims standard-approved dyeing, washing, and manufacturing processes with low water and eco-friendly dyes. They have become an absolute favorite, and you can save up to 59% off the high-end counterpart by shopping with Quince. Throw on a cotton medal, scoop neck tee, and some sneakers, and you've got a perfect, effortless outfit. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash MLM for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. National Voter Registration Day is kind of a big deal. It's a yearly, nonpartisan holiday celebrating our democracy, and it's all about getting as many people as possible to, that's right, register to vote. So why is that important right now? Well, sure, local and state elections may not get as much attention as the midterms or the presidential elections, but they're still a super important way for you to use your voice to make an impact and help shape the future of your community. And one of the best parts Registering to vote is really easy thanks to organizations like Headcount. Get registered there in minutes and you won't have to worry about registration deadlines in your state. 
and then you'll be ready to participate in all of your upcoming local, state, and federal elections. That really is a big deal. Head to headcount.org forward slash Spotify now to register. That's headcount.org forward slash Spotify. See you at the polls. Even if you like the clothes and you think you could make money, just why would you want to support them? You know, you and you can buy the stuff on eBay, like, and you're not, I mean, most of it is probably not from current sellers, hopefully. So if you see something you really like, like just get on another site and buy it there or better yet, don't buy LulaRoe, just look on Amazon or somewhere else for the same type of product. And it's going to be better quality and cheaper. Um, Absolutely. Someone was telling me they're like, um, on my, one of my TikToks are like, well, some of the clothes, like the clothes is a lot better now. And they're like really cute. And I just want to refer everybody to my TikTok video that I will link in the comments where I showed what was coming off the line. And that blues clues, hoodie, sweatshirt, monstrosity, bullshit thing is all I need to know. No better at all anymore. Good day. Are are you talking about the Amber? (laughs) Is that what that thing's called? Um, that's their, they have like, yeah, it's like a thin sweatshirt hoodie with a front pocket. That's the Amber. And then they made a Britney, which is literally the same thing with the sleeves cut off. Um, they keep like, they keep adding new styles. They're just constantly adding new styles, but then most of them, it's just kind of, it's essentially a one-time release. Um, they don't, they don't put out new designs for most of them. I mean, some of them they do, but I don't know. It's just not. I don't think the customers today have the same kind of attachment that they did back in its peak because there's not, the products just keep changing. I mean, even Deanne was, was doing a live the other day and she couldn't remember that off the top of her head, the name of, of a shirt that she had on. And I have a spreadsheet of all the styles. I just, I need to add more because they just came out with new ones for Halloween, but it's over 170 that like named styles that they've ever had. I mean, that That's includes some... a lot. <laughs> now that, it, that does include some that don't, it's not like a human name. So like the denim or the perfect tea or the classic tea, but it's like, I mean, most of them are named after people. So I tried to put on the spreadsheet, like who their name, who I think they're named after, um, how much it cost. But yeah, at the end of the day now there's like, it's just constantly a new style. And yeah, the customers just don't have that same kind of connection with the clothing that they did before. It's just, I don't know. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> it's just <laughs> its just like very expensive, okay clothing. But yeah, Deanne couldn't remember the name at first and I can't blame her because there's just been so much different stuff. And it's not, and I don't really know exactly that like, it's not like Deanne is actually designing the clothes. I think she just kind of pulls names out of her rear end of, you know, family members and. Right. And it's like, that's got to even be confusing too. Right. Like I, even talking to my daughter, sometimes I yell her name and I say my sister's name. So I could imagine trying to figure out what she's wearing when they're named after every single person that she knows. And she's like the dad, the I don't remember. It's this. It's so, it's so cute. (laughs) anyway uh one of your worst memories of dealing with LuLaRoe 
Um, I think the worst part was just like the fear that Bill and Bob were going to come after me. That's Lularoe's lawyers. They are incredibly litigious and I have always been very careful about what I've, what I say. Um, I have a lot of friends that are lawyers. Like I'm, it's at the end of the day, if something happened, I knew that like it would work out and people would support me and it wouldn't like destroy me. But it's incredibly stressful to get sued. And I don't want to get sued. <laughs> um, but I but I mean, like a lot of people won't speak up because they're scared of getting sued. And I know that I'm in a position that if it happened, it would work out and I would be okay. Um, I mean, I am actually a journalist. Like I've I write, I don't work for you know, a newspaper or a magazine, but I have published quite a bit over the years. And I have like a huge stack of media credentials from track meets and stuff. So like, I'm pretty sure that if we needed to test this in court, that I would come out ahead in terms of, you know, my ability as a journalist to speak out. And plus, like I was, since I was never a consultant, like I've never had any contracts with the company or anything like that, but it's still like, it's not fun to know that they're watching you and not that they were like, I mean, I know they've actually like sent private investigators out to like consultants addresses and stuff like that. Like they've done all kinds of allegedly we have heard stories of things like that. Um, so it wasn't like at that level with me, but, but it just was always there. Like if I, if I published a story that wasn't true, they would come after me. And there's so, I mean, there are so many stories that we have been told that we never did publish because we couldn't verify them enough or, or whatever. Like it just, you know what I mean? Like it, it did, it didn't seem right to tell that story or they're just like rumors we heard or whatever. So, but I mean, yeah, like a lot of thought went into the stuff that we've posted over the years. That was probably the worst part for me. You know, I, I had to face off with Bill when I did my deposition. And I will tell you, in between the court breaks, like he was the nicest guy. Like he's asking me about my day. We're talking about how he's going to go home and like have dinner because his daughter-in-law was making dinner and he was really excited because they were having this family dinner. It was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, because as soon as the cameras were back on, they're like, okay, we're recording. He's like, okay, Mrs. Blevins. And I was like, damn, <laughs> dude, I thought we were friends. Uh-huh. We're just talking about dinner plans. So it was very strange. I mean, I get it. He's a lawyer and he's got to be this bulldog. But Bill was so nice when he wasn't being LuLaRoe's bully. Something to think about. Um, hardest lesson that you learned in dealing with LuLaRoe. I, okay. The first one that comes to mind is one I'm not going to say, because I'll just say like, there was a lesson that was learned and it's just best not to speak about it. And so I think, you know what I'm talking about and yeah. And so sorry to people listening who don't know what I'm talking about, but it's just not worth giving air to that topic. Um, Next hardest lesson. I mean, it's like, it sucked to realize how badly so many women had been hurt. Like I knew that LuLaRoe was sketchy, but 
hearing so many stories that were just devastating. I mean, marriages that were destroyed, people who lost their houses, people that are still in debt today from, you know, stuff four or five years ago. Like, it sucked that the damage was that bad. I didn't know when I started that it was going to be that bad. I, I hadn't really thought about it that much. And I know that our efforts saved a lot of people. And there were people who got out sooner than they would have otherwise. And there were people who didn't join because of our efforts. But I mean, it sucks that it took that long and that so many people were still damaged in the process. So much greedy carnage, but you know, we have, we have, I, I think we're on the positive side of it now. Yeah. I, and I, do, and I hope like that, you know, victims will join defectors support and, you know, just ignore the people on the internet who are like watching this documentary and just sort of laughing and pointing and, oh, they're so dumb to have done, to have signed up and done this. And they don't understand that for most of the women who joined, like, they didn't have the whole story. The information was not out there. By the time the story started rolling around in early 2017, most of the people who were ever going to join the company had already joined. Like, I really don't think in the rest of 2017, like, yeah, there were still some people joining and I'm sure there were probably like over 10,000 that joined after that point, but there've probably been... 150,000 people or so that have ever sold it. It's kind of tricky because there were never that many at one time. I think the most at one time was about 90,000, but people were already leaving as more were coming in. Um, but Where do yeah, you think I mean, we are today? About 10,000? Oh, I think we're well under 10,000 today. In terms of people that are like actively selling and trying to make it a business, um, LuLaRoe, cited 17,000 recently in a post about the cruise, but that was very much, I'm positive that that like, okay, my opinion is that that number includes a lot of people who never resigned. They just kind of stopped selling and they're not, the system hasn't like canceled them. 100%. 100%. I completely agree with you. I saw it happen the other night. Uh, I was reading some reviews, which, you know, you're not supposed to do. And my name came up and I was like, mm-hmm. so I Googled the guy's name. I found his wife's Lularo shop very easily, a very cringy video. There's a TikTok about it. I will link it in the show notes. It's kind of great. Um, but in their Lularo website where you can click, it says like in their bio, it says, we're no longer at Lularo, go to this website. So even though they're no longer with Lularo and they have another website, their Lularo website is still active and is basically directing traffic to their new website. So when did these people leave and why are they still technically active on the backside of LuLaRoe and how many more people are like that? And I will say a lot of my followers have reached out to me, go, Hey, I heard that people are still active. Like that shouldn't be. I just logged in. I got into bless. I'm like, what? They're like, I haven't sold LuLaRoe in two years. And I just got into bless. So I, I heard that 17,000 number because of the cruise. We did the reverse math to get that number. I talked to Robert Fitzpatrick. He and I believe that it's definitely under 10,000, but we are using the number 10 because we will be reverse engineering LuLaRoe's 2020 income disclosure statement on the podcast, hopefully this week. Um, and he's been working on the math using the number 10,000 because we also said, and I also like to do this, I like to give the MLM the benefit of the doubt when there's a number and I just round up. 
and say, you know what, we're just going to give you the benefit of the doubt here because 10 times out of 10, it it still always comes out in in my favor and and on my proof. So we're going to give LuLaRoe the benefit of the doubt. I think we're going to go with 10,000, but I'm really interested to see what Robert's come up with and reverse engineering their income disclosure statement so that we actually get an accurate representation of what those numbers actually mean because they are really misleading. Well, and the other thing that I, I don't think we have a good handle on because I don't think most of these people, you know, join, end up joining Defective or anything like that. But now the startup cost is only $500. So when the startup cost was 5000 like you would not join LuLaRoe to kidnap. You know what I mean? Like you would only join if you were going to be serious about selling it. Yeah, I definitely think think it's possible. And, and we have a hard time measuring this because these people are generally not in the defective group. Um, but I definitely think it's possible that there's consultants today, possibly a few thousand of them, who are not serious about making LuLaRoe their business. They just got in to, because they like the clothing themselves and then they could get it for cheaper. And then they just kind of casually like sell it to some friends and they might order, you know, something new comes out they're interested in. And I think, I think LuLaRoe's gotten rid of all the minimums and stuff. Um, so you could just basically place a small order with, you know, you and a, a few friends and just do that and like not have it be this big thing, which is kind of, I mean, that's less harmful. I mean, at the same time, they'd probably just be better off shot, like have the old Navy app and the target apps on their phone and like, just order, like, it would be cheaper for them to just order new products from a real company than, than to jump through all these hoops to get LuLaRoe, but yeah. Okay. And then my last question for you is a positive takeaway from everything that's happened to you with LuLaRoe. A positive takeaway has been just like the power of people coming together to solve problems. And, you know, we have really struggled to get the powers that be like the authorities who are supposed to be regulating this industry and protecting consumers. Most of them have completely failed to do so. I mean, the only person who's really been helpful has been Bob Ferguson with the Washington state attorney general. Um, you know, we have filed tips and complaints with so many agencies, especially in the state of California, and they have all failed consumers. But the thing that led to change was us working together and exposing this stuff. And it helped, you know, it helped pave the way for more civil litigation to hold them, hold the company accountable. Um, And also just, it helped to get the story in the media (laughs) to prevent and protect other people from falling into this trap. I mean, at least now, like, if someone wants to join LuLaRoe today, like, okay. (laughs) I mean, there's so much information out there now. So if they joined in the past couple of years, it's kind of like, I don't know what else you could do to stop them from joining other than, you know, getting into a broader discussion about like, how our society fails women and fails mothers and the whole childcare issue and all of that. But in terms of like LuLaRoe specifically, like, yeah, I mean, just the power of teamwork and crowdsourcing these types of things. I think that was like one of the coolest things we created, like the community, the sisterhood, the support that we 
couldn't find elsewhere, like in that group. And we helped so many women learn the truth and men learn the truth. Uh, yeah. And the other thing has been supporting the survivors of this company because there's so much gaslighting and victim blaming that like, I think majority of consultants, when they left LuLaRoe, they felt like it was their fault. And I know that our group has done a lot to help them realize like, this was always a scam. You were set up to fail. Like it's not your fault. And it's tough because I mean, sure. In some cases, maybe there's some level of personal responsibility that comes into play, but at the end of the day, like this company scammed you and it, you know, it's not, you're not the primary person to blame here. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you so much. We finally found the time. We've seen each other. We've done so many things since. We're like, we found the time to do this. How come we haven't found the time to have a conversation and record yeah, it? Yeah, no, and I feel bad because, okay, Roberta's actually been asking me to come on the podcast, like, literally since she started it. And so I'm sorry, like, that it just kind of hadn't worked out. Um, this is when it I'm was not- meant to happen. This was when this episode was meant to air because... Nobody would have cared before now. I know. I was just going to say, like, I feel like people care more now about these issues. Like, I don't know. I, I, I guess I felt in the past, like it was just kind of boring to talk about it. Like I was, I mean, I went on another podcast, like I'm sure if you Google me and podcast, like I went on another podcast and, um, uh, talked about the lawsuits for like hours um, and I never went back and listened to it. So I don't, yeah, I, I heard I, that one. It was on sounds like MLM, but okay. Podcast. I will link that too. Cause that was a good one too. I did that one as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've had other people say that they enjoyed listening to that or whatever. And it, that's great. Like it was fine, but yeah, that one, I just really sat there and like broke down all the lawsuits. So that's a good one to listen to. If you really want more of the nitty gritty about all the times Lula Rose has been sued thank you so much. I think there's a lot of Becca stands out there that are like really excited because they had no idea that you've done other things. And they're like, Oh my God, I know what I'm doing tonight when I get off of work. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Like, I guess, I mean, I didn't really know what people would think of me after Lula Rich, but I wasn't really prepared for how many people who were like, that's me. I'm Becca. Like that's exactly the person I am. And so I'm glad that people found me relatable. <laughs> well, we um, love you so much. And it just, here I am. I'm just, just sputtering out words and just, I can't even, can't even compose myself and my thoughts, but I am so proud to call you my friend. I'm so happy that you did this. I'm so glad that, that our collective efforts are reaching the masses that people actually care and that we're making change like on a global level Becca global (laughs) well I'm so excited about the work you've been doing that you're taking on other MLMs and also like your TikToks like I have avoided TikTok I think it's super sketchy um I didn't want to install the app on my phone but then finally like between you and the Ivanowskis I was just like okay fine I'll get the app um I do not plan on producing any TikToks myself like even just Instagram is hard for me to really keep up with and like make good use of as a platform. Um, but yeah, so I'm super excited that like you're killing it on the TikToks and you keep doing that. Like, thank you. <laughs> it's really fun. 
I mean, definitely one thing I've learned over the years with my pole vault stuff is like, I don't have to be dominant. I don't have to kill it on every platform. Like I, I didn't need, like, I had fun kind of like being at the center of the pole vault community, but I also like moved on with my life and I, it's funny because like I've had people accuse me of being attention seeking and that's not but like the people accusing me of this are also like sketchy people right and it's just like that's not like it couldn't be farther from the truth like if I wanted things to be about me there's so much more I could do that would be like me 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 and i I don't have any interest in that. Like, what you're amazing. I'm- like your advocacy in the pole vaulting community in the sports world is, is fantastic. If anybody is, is listening that is a sports fan and just wants, just Becca is incredible. You guys, like, I know I've said it a million times, but Becca is incredible. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I think you're incredible too. And I like I mean, it's funny because I like the stuff you're doing, like you're getting all the haters. Like I've had almost no one. I've only had like a few people <laughs> make negative comments about the LuLaRoe stuff. And it's actually been surprising to me how few there have been, because like I've said, with the other work I do, I draw a lot more criticism and people upset with me. Um, but I think it, also I think it just it just says something about like the different issues at play, because like LuLaRoe is just so easy for people to make fun of. And the only people who are really mad right now are like, for, are, you know, people still drinking the Kool-Aid. And so they take that out on you. Like, they don't know what to do with me. So they just take it out on you. But it's like, interesting, yeah. like, other, like sexual abuse is just such a harder issue because it's like everybody is against it, except when it turns out like their friend is an abuser. And right. then like, like everyone's against it until they're not. And it's hard to be against it if that means like, admitting that someone you trust and you care about could be a bad person and maybe they've never done anything bad to you but wrapping your head around the idea that they could have hurt someone else is hard and it's just like yeah so it's just funny like it this whole Lula Rich thing has been weird because <laughs> I'm not used yeah. to people being nice to me <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what is I, the Becca love? I love it. I love it. And then when I saw that somebody said like me stuff about you, I was like, you don't talk like that about my friend. And I had to make like a TikTok video. <laughs> I know. And that, honestly, that was so funny because I thought it had been deleted on Reddit. And then I finally like went to Reddit on a web browser where I wasn't logged in. And then suddenly I found it. And I was like, wait, did this person block me? So like, I went back on my phone where I was logged in and I like looked up their username and it's not pulling up. And I'm like, okay, so this person it like claims that they don't know who I am and they can't even remember my name, but they went to the trouble of like finding me on Reddit and blocking me before they made that post. So Sounds like they sell LuLaRoe. Maybe. Well, thank you so much. Um, you're such a joy to talk to. This is really fun. Thank you so much. And yeah, uh, if there's anything you need, you know, hit me up and the same, and I'm sure we'll probably be texting each other tomorrow. So we'll just (laughs) talk to you then. (laughs) Yeah. Have fun editing this. Like, you know, what's funny. I actually did a podcast briefly, maybe like around 2005 or six before podcasts were like really a thing. 
And, but I, I had someone else who was editing it. Like someone had approached me and they wanted Pole Vault Power to have a podcast. And so I like, I got a digital voice recorder and I did some interviews and then I just like sent it to this person and there was a few podcasts and they were actually like really cool. And then I feel like you never heard anything about podcasts again for like years and years and years. And then all of a sudden now like podcasts are a big thing. Um, which is great. I have no desire to have a podcast, like the work that goes into that with editing and publishing and promoting it. Like I appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. Because like, I, that's a lot of work and I have no desire to do that. So good for you, Roberta. Thank you. And this past, like this Lula bitch thing, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do all these interviews and I'm going to get one up every single day. And I'm going (laughs) to tell everybody that I'm going to do this. So I can't back out of it. And then like, the day it was, I was like, I can't believe I agreed to do this. And I seriously was up almost every single night, super late getting them all done, but I did get them done. So procrastination didn't win on this one. I still got it done. Yes. Good job. Like that's so much work. And I hope everyone listening appreciates like what all goes into it behind the scenes. So thank you for doing this. Yeah, it's really fun. So as much as I like, thank you for saying thank you. And as much as I'm like, it's a lot of work, it's, it's a lot of fun too. So I'm not complaining too much. I did put myself in this situation. So I do have to take a little bit of personal responsibility for the amount of work that I'm doing. I did put this on myself. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Please don't forget to like and subscribe and share with all of your anti-MLM friends as well. See you next time.